Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I have a guest. Well, okay, so real quick, when we first started the Darkroom Podcast, which wasn't that long ago, I think this is episode seven now. When we started the podcast, we threw around some names that would be the big dream to get on, the big goal. Who could we potentially lead up to getting on and talking to? And this was the first name thrown out there, and that is the name Chris Burkhard. He is, oh man, to explain his life in two sentences is wild, but photographer, traveler, seeker, this dude inspires people to go places, inspires people to pick up cameras, inspires people to change their lives, to pursue their dreams and what they want to do and accomplish. Uh, he's done that for me as well. Uh, I've known about Chris for, for a while now. And, and, and honestly, you know, he is, he's the biggest to me. He, he is the guy, right? And we reached out to the guy and he said, cool, come on down. Let's chat. Come to Pismo. So we loaded up the car, drove north for a few hours, went to Chris Burkhardt's studio, uh, met his team, met him, got to sit down with him and chat for about an hour. So uh, that is what you guys get to listen to today, and I am so pumped on that. So without further ado, here is a conversation with the one and only Chris Burkhardt. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Chris Burkhardt. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm super, super honored to be here and in person. This is actually, I think, the first podcast that I've done in person in a long, long, long time. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, I mean, you know, I've heard so many that you've done and I even commented on it today to these dudes that I feel like every time I hear you on a podcast, there has to be some type of road in the background, some type of like fumbling with chips, chips are like a cliff bar. Yeah, right? I'm, no, like it's, I'm usually packing. I think the last podcast I did, I was like, I, before I even started, I'm like, hey, just so you know, like I'm packing for yeah. a trip. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just, that's the reality. And yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kind of a... You know, I'm a multitasker at heart, and um, sometimes it comes back to bite me in the ass. But yeah, it's typically I'm, I'm usually trying to do a couple things at once. Yeah. So okay, photographer, director, speaker, cyclist, <laughs> climber, surfer. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could keep going on and on, probably. Right? You know, but I don't I don't think that any of those things really define us, you know, or myself. I just I just migrate towards what I enjoy and yeah. I migrate towards what. Um, and I think a lot of those creative aspects, talents, you know, if you if you will, um, they all just fall under the idea of being a storyteller. And mm -hmm. that's, I think, the thing. That's like that is to me the missing link that I think a lot of people in this day and age really forget is like to be a storyteller and what that means and and what it means to engage with people on a visual format, right? Um, or a film format or a speaking format, right? Like mm -hmm. I think that people. Oftentimes they look at photography as this like, oh, this is the end all be all. This is what I am. This defines me, you know, and to be honest, like if using the camera is the best way to share a message, then great. Uh, if using my voice is the best way, if using a film and, you know, music and audio and narrative mm -hmm. and everything like that, that's even better. Yeah. Um, it, I think that in the end, like that's really what I try to 
Charlie lived behind is like, yeah, I love to be a story. I, I like to tell stories. Yeah. Whether it's like to an intimate group of friends around the campfire mm-hmm. or to my kids or to my family or, um, or to millions of people via social media, you yeah. know, like that's really all I care about. What, well, what came first? Was it photography or was it storytelling? I mean, photography for sure was the vehicle yeah. that got me to, um, see the world. It got me to get out of this small town that I grew up in. It got me to, um, land my first clients and big jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But as time went on, I found myself being less and less inspired by other photographs. You know, like you're a kid and you're like flipping through books and you're just like, Oh, you're so you know blown away by the pictures you see in Nat Geo or whatever. And nowadays, like, I don't really care so much about that. I, yeah. I would rather like, I like love looking at, um, you know, architecture and music mm-hmm. and, and like poetry or written word or something like that, or even just any design, you know, overall, like that, that to me is equally as inspiring. And I, I take bits of inspiration from that, you know, like, yeah. oh, how could I simplify my photographs to reflect the simplicity of this architecture? You know what I mean? Like yeah, for in sure. some capacity, I think that's really unique. And then obviously, you know, your voice is a muscle, you know, and I think that like any muscle, the more you flex it, the stronger it gets. Right. right. Yeah. And that's the thing I always think about with, with speaking or with, um, presenting, so to say, educating. It's like the more you do it, the the more refined your message becomes, the more yeah. like simplistic um, your message becomes. And that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think everybody underestimates the value of like, yeah, just because a photograph is worth a thousand words doesn't mean that you shouldn't say anything about it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So the speaking, I mean, there, I'm sure there was a time where you were asked to speak and you had to do that thing in your head where you're like, do I want to do this? I'm nervous. Every single time. Right. Still to this day. Yeah. That's why I do it. Yeah. Like is photography scary to you? Not anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is speaking scary to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean in this sense, no. So you have to gravitate. Ted talk. Yes. You have to gravitate towards what you're fearful of. Like just because like we take, that's the thing is like people are like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, you're shooting in, in the water with surfers and big waves and, and some unknown, isn't that scary? Like, yeah, it was. And then it just became commonplace. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're traveling to the Arctic and you're shooting in the snow and it's, the conditions are scary. Like, yeah, it was scary at first. Now it's not. So at a certain point, my threshold for what gets me, what, what incites fear and what incites, you know, um, uh, thoughts of like, oh, can I do this? Can I not? Is, is higher. Right. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that it just means that basically I'm finding other things to, to, balance out, you know, where I feel out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And, so, is, and speaking you, is one of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like an adrenaline junkie in a way, Yeah. but you're all for the uncomfort junkie, right? I'll use that I word. I mean, I think it's just like, <laughs> I think that's what adrenaline is. Like yeah. that's, we, like when you're, when you stop producing adrenaline mm-hmm. in those situations, you become comfortable. Yeah. That's all there really is to it. Definitely. You absolutely will feel some adrenaline going up onto a stage of, thousands of thousands of people and delivering a message that you like, it's an amazing, exhilaratingly terrifying experience. Yeah. But also when you do it and you execute it and you're in that state of flow and everything is making sense, it's like, it's, there's nothing greater yeah. because you're, you're kind of preparing this kernel of truth that you have to offer the world and mm-hmm. you actually can penetrate deep in people's hearts and minds with that message. Like that's really powerful to me. Yeah. That's really, really an exciting thing to do. What does, what does your flow state look like? Is it hard to get there? Do you get there a lot? Um, Do you try to find it? I don't really try to find it ever. I don't think like, like I'm, I'm definitely a very, um, methodical person when it comes to like 
preparation. Right. But at the same time, it's funny because um, it's it's hard to describe. Like I remember when I was touring my film and I was I was in Germany somewhere. Um, we had like ten stops in Germany, and I'm mm-hmm. like going up speaking in front of these like like the biggest venues we did. It was like thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, it's nuts. at these huge like auditoriums and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing my presentation yeah. and, uh, I have a slideshow and like, I've got the slideshow so dialed, like I could do it with my eyes closed. Right? For sure. Um, but you know, you're waiting on all these, like, there's all these like moments like, Oh, there's a joke. And then everybody laughs and mm-hmm. then you're like, yeah, I feel yeah. great. Yeah. And then there's another moment and, and there the language barrier was like, you're kind of like, well, are they picking this up? Like, are they getting this? Cause like you'd make a joke, nobody would laugh and you're like, Oh dear God. Like, and it's like crickets. And it's a scary yeah. thing. And then so you, here's what I find is that for me, a big part of that flow state comes from like when I'm delivering a message or I'm sharing something, especially when you're speaking, it's easy because there's reciprocation. Like, mm-hmm. although it just sounds like you're the only one up there, yeah. you can look in the crowd and if you see the engagement of their eyes and they're laughing with you and they're, they're, they're gasping with you or they're, they're talking about what's behind you, the photograph maybe you're showing, like... I know the crowd's into it. And when they're right. into it, I'm into it. I'm you like, feel it. I'm like, like I want to give you guys right? the best presentation you've ever had in your life. Like totally. I want to just kill. And like that to me, like it's almost like not flow state, but it's like a state of like, I'm like, we're in sync and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, it's giving me, I'm feeding off of their energy. Right. Like, I'm, not, I'm not much of an energy person, but like, I hate that phrase, but I feel like this applies. For sure. Um, and I'm feeding off of what they're kind of putting out. So, um, in Europe and stuff, I remember I just had to like really dig deep and like, mm-hmm. like I, you can't be up there and like people can't notice that you're getting like flustered or bummed out or kind of like losing momentum. Like yeah. you have to keep that energy high, that mm-hmm. psych high yeah. all the time. And uh, that was hard. That was yeah. like a, a challenging moment. But yeah, flow state, kind of something that we always talk about, but it's very elusive. It's like, oh, what is flow state? I don't yeah. know. I think you can achieve it in photography for sure, mm-hmm. you know? The hard part is like with photography, for the most part, you're just like, you're out there, you know, you put your tripod down, you take a picture. There's not much like to it, you know, True, other yeah, than that. For sure. But yeah. like, say you're in the water and you're swimming, you're shooting surfers and mm-hmm. the waves are like 10 foot and they're just barreling over Stumping. you. There's this moment where you actually do have to get in sync with the athlete and the ocean yeah. and your camera. Like that to me is that you can absolutely find flow there which is it's an incredible feeling yeah um and scary very scary for sure does it ever feel like work right now all the time all the time i mean photography is work for sure that's the thing that's hard is like i feel like people have no absolutely zero clue as to how much goes in Mm -hmm. to producing and creating and doing the work that that i or we do yeah they just Um, see the end result yeah most people just enjoy the end result and and to be honest i I'm probably the worst perpetrator of that because I don't really, I don't usually take, I don't go to great lengths to like describe all of the things. I kind of like to keep the romanticism. Right. Like it's romantic to feel like, oh man, this moment just like unfolded before their eyes. It's so beautiful. And the reality is no, that was like years of planning. Yeah. Got a flat tire on the way out. out some storm and then like memory card failed. And then like Renan, a hydron hit our operator's leg and slice his leg open. And, you know, we had to go get st- like all these things that like, there's a time and place for those things. Mm-hmm. I love, that's what I love about like doing slideshows and presenting and stuff mm-hmm. because you can really dive deep. But in some places like say social media, there's not really the 
opportunity to go that deep into those stories. Yeah. I try to at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely like a uh, first class offender and like writing long captions sometimes. But, yeah, that's great. But though. I just, I feel compelled sometimes yeah. to like really give those real, those in-depth stories, you know? Yeah. Well, it's good. Cause you see a lot of, you know, really short, easy things on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows about that and they see it and they just see a picture. It's nice and pretty, but you know, when you post yeah. something, also, too, because you do have such a big voice and you are, you know, such a great figure and speaker. I feel like when I read your post, I hear it come right out of your mouth, which is a cool luxury. Well, that's you know? the goal, I think, in many ways. And I also care a lot about yeah. what I'm saying because I understand that with with a large sphere of influence comes a large sphere of responsibility. Yeah. And um, I try to, like, speak to different audiences. I know there's people who follow me because they want to do what I do. And I love that. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to empower them to do that. There's people that follow me that just want to know about my personal life and what I feel and what I care about. There's people that follow me who just probably want an escape from their daily life. So I try to speak to those three groups of people, you know, and I try to, I've tried to identify them too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think one of the unique things, and, and I, it's a weird conversation to have, you're like, this is, you know, this is what makes me great. You know, it's not about that. It's like, one of the the thing the unique things that I've been able to experience mm-hmm. is that I have probably met more people who follow me um, on social media than I would envision anyone else out there. Yeah, like you know, um, in terms of like in my sphere, my world. Yeah, like photographers, for sure. Because I've done, I've you know, I've toured multiple films all over the world. I've yeah, done speaking engagements. I've taught workshops. Like I connect with. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, yeah, of people every time. year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be in New York next week. I'm going to be doing four talks, two film premieres, and a talk. I'll probably connect with thousands and thousands of people, yeah. and I love that. Yeah, this is why sure. I do that. Yeah, and it I, fuels you. And I also learn from them mm-hmm. what their needs are and wants are. So, I I take stock of that. Like right. I know what typically people want to ask before they ask it. Yeah, because I'm like, oh well, I've met someone in your position before. And this yeah. is usually what their interests are. You know? Dude, how do you manage? I mean, I know you get asked this all the time, but like, really like, how do you manage all this time? You live in the same 24 hour day that I do, right? Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like, I know you have a team, like what is, what does workflow look like? And well, that, that's all a good this? question. I, I think that at a certain point you, when you're shooting the jobs that we're shooting, like this mm-hmm. is like, this is the big difference. Like people online are like, they, sometimes they don't understand like, Oh wait, so you're not editing all your own photos. I'm like, no, dude, we're shooting yeah. like six jobs at once. Yeah. Like yeah. I run a studio. Yeah. This is a, I have a seven person team and, and for me to process all my own photographs mm-hmm. would mean that I would have to turn down the next job. Yeah. You wouldn't the sleep. Yeah. By the, before this job, we just shot, you know, myself, my assistant, my DIT, mm-hmm. we shot in Prana for Prana in Mallorca, Spain, okay, climbing yeah. and everything. It was a big catalog shoot, right mm-hmm. there. I'm setting the tone. They're editing the photos. I'm looking over the photos. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it a fine tooth comb. I'm having final say. But the reality is like, I'm moved on. I, I that, that job finished. I went to Japan to yeah, speak. And to then it. I came home and then I, I, you know, now I'm going to Norway. Then yeah. I'm going to New York. Then I'm going to Iceland. Like that job will be taking a month to, to finalize. Yeah. And that's okay. This is how you learn to build a business. You learn to delegate, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing special about the way that I process my images mm-hmm. and if, if it is so special and so unique and so particular to me, then it's probably taking up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For and sure. If, I, if there's no way for me to ever teach how I do my craft to mm-hmm. others so that they can help me do it, mm-hmm. then 
you're, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. I feel like in, in my, my opinion, because like there shouldn't be anything that specific about it. And this is, this is how Ansel ran his business. And mm-hmm. This is how a lot of people that I really respect have run their business. So when you started shooting, I mean, was that in your head? Were you were you reaching for that point where you could delegate not, work? Not at all. No, you were just like a not, solo shooter. It, dude, I'm doing I was this like, on foot. I was like, had a you know desk and a chair in the corner of a of a barn that I lived in. And <laughs> I like you know cr- spiders were crawling in and, and blue belly lizards, and it was like the yeah. gnar- gnarliest thing. And you know most of the work I would be doing is on the road with a hard drive and a laptop, right? And, yeah. You know, I've been doing this for a decade. Yeah. So it's weird to think about having been in the photography industry for so long and you're still so young which uh, i want to talk about too well 32 i don't know about young but i feel like i'm up 100 but um but essentially yeah i've been doing this for a long time and 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 i guess what i'm getting at is like it's it, what i want to say is a slow process people right. often always ask like what was your big break what was your big break for sure you know and, yeah. and i'm like i was like there was none yeah and the reality is i'm an overnight success mm-hmm. it just took me 12 years yeah um yeah, that's fine man. and that's just the re- that's just the harsh reality of it but when I first started, somebody reached out to me and they were like, Hey Chris, would you ever do an internship? And I was like, internship, like mm-hmm. I'm barely making it as a photographer. Yeah. Why would I, don't I go do to an- school? What do you I mean? I was like, <laughs> I could, you know, I did, I did a few internships Yeah, and I knew early on when I was asking for internships, I finally did one with one large format landscape photographer and, and one in a magazine, mm-hmm. Transworld Surf. Yeah. I reached out to every photographer I respected and cared about, cared about. And, um, I never got a single answer from most of them. Really? And I knew early on, I was like, when I get to a level where I'm successful, I want to be able to offer this to people. I want to be able to offer an opportunity to learn. And so the time came and somebody asked me and I was like, you know, four, four or five years into my career. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, sure. So I tried to like create work that Almost they could like do. Almost like a blueprint, like yeah, internship like, project number one. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you're going to sit next to me and I'm going to do this. And then like, yeah, I'm going to let you do this. So. Um, I mean, this is before, like, there's no phones to answer. There's no, you mm-hmm. know, it was kind of like, okay, can you like organize these slides or can you like, you know, can you yada, 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 can you write down this on all, you know, these pictures, can you, you know, cut these out? Just simple things. Yeah. Anyway, what ended up happening was that internship ended. And then I remember going on a trip and I remember realizing like, oh, I was getting these requests for magazines and I couldn't fulfill them because mm-hmm. I was gone and I didn't have access to my computer. This is before the days of like, and I lived in a crappy area with poor internet, so I didn't have like remote access to my lot to my like hard drives, you know, like yeah, from, just cloud from stuff. India, yeah. You know? um, and so I, I called a friend um, who lived next to me, and I was like, "Hey," I just gave him all the instructions. Mm-hmm. He sent off the file. <laughs> all right, he, write like, this down. He like emailed it to me. I forwarded yeah. it to somebody else. And I realized, I'm like, you know what? I really need to get somebody trained mm-hmm. to do this while I'm gone. And yeah. so what ended up happening was I. More, more and more instances where I had to call somebody and get help and, mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. And then I was like, well, I need to hire somebody. So yeah. I, I asked that intern, that old intern, to see if he could come and work for me part-time. Mm-hmm. And part-time turned into full-time and one employee turned into two employees and two employees turned into three employees. And now, you know, we have a studio. Right now we have, um, I think it's a seven employees. When I used to have a, gal- a remote gallery, a separate gallery, we had 11 employees because we had people who managed it yeah. off-site. Um, we have three gals that work for us, Hannah, um, Hannah, Sam, and, uh, blanket on the other gal. She works in our gallery mm-hmm. on the weekends. And then we have, uh, Ryan, 
Ryan, Ryan, Mike, uh, and Josh. Okay. Um, and, and Mike and Josh stay in the studio. They they manage the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Mike is the business manager. Josh is the office manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan um, Velasic is our photo editor, and he mm-hmm. comes on trips to do DIT, digital technician. Okay. And then Ryan uh, Hill is my first assistant. He comes on trips to basically assist and, and sometimes shoot a second camera angle mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of the jobs we do require, you know, multiple people operating multiple cameras, you know? Yeah, and so. Yeah, yeah. You often refer to like, oh yeah, we created that or this and that because I always feel like it's a group effort. Like when we create a project mm-hmm. for or execute a thing for a brand, like there's many hands in the making from the producing end of things, which falls upon Mike, mm-hmm. Mike's shoulders to the packing, to the prepping. Like it's never just me right. out there like picking up the camera and it, like there's so many moving parts. So part of running a studio is learning how to manage all those people and, mm-hmm. and to play to their strengths. You know, and, yeah, that's a big, that's one, a right? big yeah, it's for a big sure. Part, yeah. So, I mean, does the is the amount of help and, and people working with you? Do you see it getting bigger than that, or have you found the sweet spot? I, I don't. My my studio over the last like three years, four years has kind of grown and shrunk and grown and shrunk, and I've had more employees and less employees and more employees and less employees, and at times it grows, but then there's times where excuse me, you feel concerned that you mm-hmm. don't want to grow beyond the means of like, cause you want to be able to have everybody like have a good, you know, we, we offer benefits, you know, we offer, it's a proper job. You yeah. Know, like pe- people are on salaries, right. Um, with, with, with a retirement, you know, mm-hmm. like benefits too. So at a certain point you don't want to like have this massive distribution of wealth where it's like one person's making below part time and one person's making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that's not a healthy yeah, thing. So for sure. I always find like, if I want to bring somebody on, I want to make sure that I can see growth and that they can kind of, that there's going to be a place for them long-term, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's kind of where we're at, right? With things I, I am, um, at times we've kind of shrunk the business a little bit just because like, say we, we closed down a gallery. So mm-hmm. we closed down the gallery, we opened it up in-house and I didn't have to have those employees anymore. Um, we move locations, you know, things like that. So, yeah. And so, um, also on the other side, you are repped, correct? Are yeah, you rep agency? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're younger, you know, obviously it sounds great and easy to be like, Oh, went to this ad agency, went to this place and got rep. Like, what was that process? Like finding those reps? Do they come to you? It's a good was- question. Um, when I was about, uh, six years into my career, um, I remember meeting John Feldman. John Feldman was a, um, was a, uh, he, he is my agent, um, and, and my rep, I guess you could say. So mm-hmm. yeah, my agent, John, basically he was working at a, um, photo licensing studio who they like, I, um, icon photo, they licensed like celebrity portraiture mm-hmm. and he was just kind of sick of what he was doing, wanted a little break, wanted something else, um, kind of came to me and was like, Hey, I'm starting a new agency called Massif. I would mm-hmm. love to have you on the roster. Cool. And I was like, what does that even mean? I don't yeah. even know what it means to have yeah. a rep or agent. He's like, basically yeah. like, basically like everything goes through me. Mm-hmm. Like you, we're going to create a level of separation between you and your clients yeah. um, so that you don't have to be the person dealing with the billing or the, this is how much I'm worth or this and that. And at first it was, it was really foreign to me. It was really yeah. like, Oh God, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I love my clients. I want to be able to be the one to talk to yeah. them. Like, yeah. I realized really quickly that it was the best decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. Being able to create a level of separation between me and my clients allows me to be the creative person, the person on the creative calls, the person on set who's yeah. fun and yeah. taking pictures and like, this is all I do. And then when it comes time to talk about fees or about worth, it's like, yeah. you're not the person who's like, 
okay, cool, let's talk about fees. And six months later, you're the person who's not like, okay, I need to get paid. Yeah. So can you Definitely. pay me things? Yeah. Because it, it's him. He follows up with that. And he's the person who's like, hey, Chris is worth this much money. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, and, and you don't have to be the awkward, you don't have to have that awkward conversation trying to talk yourself up. Yeah. And then if they tell you that they only have this much, is that going to hurt your feeling? You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a serious um, kind of disconnect there between, between kind of the relationship and how we want to represent ourselves to clients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I pride myself on being approachable, being attainable, and and being somebody who pe- anybody could reach out to. But at the same time, there are certain situations where I do feel it's imperative for photographers to disconnect themselves mm-hmm. and not be so, um, not be so like having their hands and everything. Yeah, I love to just be able to kind of remove myself from that situation, let John sort out the fees. Um, and then me and him can kind of discuss that. He's also really good about, um, helping me to understand or helping them to understand, like if Chris does, you know, the, the, the opportunity lost mm-hmm. cost, like if I go do a job for so-and-so, what you could have been doing for yeah, someone like, else. And, right? and that ties me up for a year. Like say I do this project with, you know, some airline or whatever, mm-hmm. and I can't work for another airline for two years. Yeah. That doesn't inhibits cost. cost. That, that sure. that's a, there's a lost opportunity there. Yeah. And, uh, and mm-hmm. that, and that's also really important, right? So, yeah. Does yeah. he rep you in, in every facet every of facet, what you do? Yeah. That's every cool. facet, whether it's um, me being on camera, yeah. social influencer work, mm-hmm. commercial licensing, um, or uh, commercial photography, which obviously like just to have a clear representation, like for the world of photographers out there, I would say about 10% less than my income comes from social influencer work. Yeah. It's, it's a really small part of my business mm-hmm. because I don't want it to be, I don't yeah. want to be known as a social influencer For sure. and you know you could if you wanted to 100%. yeah we, we absolutely we could take every opportunity and yeah. i'd be selling random crap all, all day over my yeah thing. but i don't yeah. want to but 90 percent of our income comes from commercial photography mm-hmm. um and then we have commercial image licensing and then we have editorial work and then we have um uh, prints and books and things like that then i have speaking and educating and then social influencer work is the very last thing. yeah yeah passive income i've heard you talk about it in the past too and like i agree it's super important and yeah. it's kind of like the thrill of having that too and for safety as well. But I feel like it comes hand in hand with being a creative and doing so many things. Like you want to also be able to have that money coming in and it's got to kind of keep things interesting too, right? You aren't getting a steady check all the time. Things change month to month. Yeah. I mean, I I've worked on staff, Mm -hmm. um, for, for brands and I've worked, you know, for brands like Patagonia and surfer magazine. And I've worked in retainer for a bunch of magazines Mm -hmm. over the years. So I've had, I've had those types of jobs and I, I love, I love the security they provided. It was right. awesome. Yeah. Um, they, it was a th- big fear of mine when I went freelance and I was like, okay, I'm taking this safety net mm-hmm. and I'm casting it off. Yeah. And now I am totally up by myself. Like that's a terrifying, terrifying thing to be in. And then yeah. the reality is like, that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I have no clue where my next paycheck is coming from. It's like running down a hill full speed, but the hill gets a little bit easier, but you're still running and trying not to <laughs> right. fall. Trying yeah, exactly. To fall. That's yeah, the thing is sure. like, you're just kind of going a little faster. Yeah, exactly. And, and this yeah. is sort of a, a hard, um, it's been a, it's been a little bit challenging topic to like educate other photographers on. It's like, Hey, like there's not some point you get to where like, it's all good. It just opens up. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. It, there's, there's no security net. There's yeah. no safety. Like the only scary thing now is that I have, two mortgages and that's a, the thing and payroll it's like you keep I, climbing up yeah and now you need to keep all that work coming in at this right. level instead of at this level yeah and that's yeah. the hard thing is like the more the deeper you get the deeper you get right yeah. so i think that there's an element of like we're in this safe place where like we have a lot of interest in our work and we have 
enough income and we um, every year, but every year we have to hit that mark or, or more so, mm-hmm. you know, and every year we kind of have to like, you know, make sure that like there's room for growth in the business and bonuses or, this, or you won't be able to keep good employees. Right. You know, so a big part of that comes <clears throat> down to that idea. So I would, I would urge other photographers to really consider, yeah. you know, if you want to take this leap, this growth, like how are you going to do it mm-hmm. and what's going to sustain you and, um, but, but at the same time, not to be fearful of it, but I would say that um, it can be very daunting and mm-hmm. it can take away some of the creativity. Yeah. Like this is a scary thing is that you get to a position where um, all of a sudden you have to make blank every year, mm-hmm. right? Well, does that mean that when the job comes along that you don't really want it, you might not have taken in the past mm-hmm. because you want to leave yourself open for a better job, yeah. but now you feel obligated to do it because you need to make you know, ends meet or, you know, you're, you're worried about if that other job won't come that, that happens. And then all For of a sudden sure. yeah. your work, your quality of your work diminishes mm-hmm. and the, your, your sort of breadth of creativity sort of starts to vanish. And like, yeah. that's a scary place to be in. Have you ever sat back and, and looked at your work in the last few years or even five years, six years and, and wanted to maybe change things or felt weird about a certain way you were going or have you always been pumped on your own stuff? Um, I mean, I've, I've made a lot of drastic changes mm-hmm. in my work, you know, one of them being when I started to shoot more in the Arctic, um, that was a pro that was an approach like maybe like, you know, my, my work photographing surfers in cold climates was a, was a very cognitive, very, um, very, uh, sort of focused move. A lot of preparation. From, yeah. From. Mm-hmm going to places that my editors wanted me to go. I was going mm-hmm. to, you know, Indonesia and Thailand and Nicaragua and Costa Rica and, and um, Australia and yeah, yeah, and all those mm-hmm. places are great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But I was going to places for my editor when I was working on them for the magazine yeah. that I knew would get ran. I knew they'd make them happy. Mm-hmm. And they were, and I was leaving those trips being like, that was cool, but I don't feel like I produced anything I hadn't seen before. Right. Yeah. And that sucks. Like yeah. you're going to places where you're like, I'm not building my portfolio. I'm not, I'm not making a name for myself. I'm just, Making a paycheck for sure, yeah. And as as glamorous and as beautiful and as as <clears throat> amazing of a way to make a paycheck, it still just felt like a paycheck. And that was kind of a um, that was a harsh hard situation to be in. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like I was um, giving of myself as yeah. much as I could. Yeah. And I was my talents were being fully realized. So I started to seek out places others had written off. Mm-hmm. They were too cold and too remote and too dangerous to surf. And, yeah. Um, that was kind of what led me to surfing in those places. It's funny too, because like it's a, I feel like it's a natural progression of, you know, like where your last ten years has been, but other photographers too. Like you probably wouldn't have gotten to that point without doing those jobs in Nicaragua and those places, oh, having those feelings of like, yeah, this is great, but I want Nobody more. just gets there. Like yeah. nobody just comes to that conclusion. I mean, maybe now because you've people have paved the way and you've seen what's possible in those other places. Yeah. But like back then, this was like no man's land. Like you couldn't even buy a ticket to Iceland. No, for sure. Like yeah. I buy, I remember like trying to find a ticket to Iceland. It was like, you'd go on to some, like you'd talk to a travel agent and be like, yeah, it's $7,000. You're like, mm-hmm. what? They're yeah, like, exactly. We don't know how to get there. You have to like route yourself through, <laughs> you know? And I mean, this is like 10 years ago when I right. first went there. I've been there 32 times since. Yeah. It's insane. So. Yeah. Dude, it's funny. Cause in that same vein, in 2016, on Instagram, I saw a picture of a treehouse and it looked great. And I said, where is this? And it was in Nicaragua. I hit up my buddy. I said, you want to go here? He said, yeah, we were there three months later, all because of one Instagram picture that I yeah. saw. And it was so easy to get there. 
10 hours, boom, there, out. Great. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's crazy. Funny. But uh, so, I mean, now you are, what, 32? Mm-hmm. That's insane. So the level of success, I'll call it, because to me that is success, uh, that you have reached, does it feel like there's, a, like there's so much more time that you have to do all these things? Like, do you see them getting just bigger and bigger and bigger? Where are these projects going to go? You know, it's hard because um, I uh, people ask a lot, where do you see yourself in 10 years? You know, what do you want to be doing in five years, 10 years? And I'm, I, I, it's kind of hard for me because I've never really been much of like a look ahead person. For sure. Like I've set little goals and I've set, I've, I've set little like, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that or well, that would be cool or whatever. Um, but to be honest, like I love what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I would be stoked doing what I'm doing right now in 10 years. For sure. Like, this makes me happy. Yeah. Like how cool is it that I get to like most of the jobs I do are ones that I pick and ones that are being brought to me because of my talent and creativity. And mm-hmm. that's because I've focused on what work I've put out in the world. Yeah. I, you, you bring back the work you put out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've also tried really hard to not just be somebody who like has a camera and can shoot, but somebody who's sought after for their creativity. Right. You, you never want to be in a position where you're just, you're just sought after because you know how to operate a camera and exactly. you can, you can produce somebody else's vision. You want to be sought after because you have a creative eye that, that somebody can help bring, you know, so-and-so project to life. Mm-hmm. So I love where I'm at right now. I would love to do more films. I would love to do more. Um, I love projects. I've always loved, like, I've always been very project-based. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I'm no, totally it's cool, man. a bunch right now. Um, <laughs> lack of sleep. Um, I love doing projects that, like, require a lot of me. I'm mm-hmm. working on another children's book. I'm working on a memoir right now. I'm working on an Iceland glacial river book. Um I'm going to speak on behalf of the Icelandic government in a, in November mm-hmm. to help them create a national park. So there's, um, you know, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm going to places that I enjoy. Like, so this, there's all the things that I'm doing right now are things I would be stoked to be doing in 10 years. Uh, how does your, uh, how does your brain operate? Does it operate in milestones or is it one even plane and you just pick up these little things here? And yeah. There? It doesn't really operate in milestones. Right? Like I'm never like, like I'm never like, oh man. Because here's Once the I thing, if, this, you, oper- if you operate milestones, this. then you're like, then what happens is you give yourself an excuse to sit back on your accolades. Yeah. And that's bullcrap. That's like, nobody, nobody really successful does that. Yeah. And it was like, ah, oh, man, I made it. Yeah, I'm good. I can just chill for a little bit now. Yeah. Did you have to learn that though? Did you have those, you know, like once I get here, I'll feel this and you get there and you say, well, maybe the next step up or has that never uh, really been a thing? You know, I've just never... I've just never really operated in that capacity where like, I, I always feel like if you do that, then it's hard to in the moment focus on like, okay, I want to give a hundred percent of myself to this project. Mm-hmm. And it becomes really challenging to like do, to, to give yourself a hundred because you're, you're constantly looking ahead like, oh, after this I can rest. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just, if I ever have free time. I'll create some arbitrary goal for myself, yeah, you know, yeah. like sometimes it's photography related. Sometimes it's, it's cycling. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like climbing, you know, I was, yeah. um, or whatever, like, you know, that's kind of the, the thing is like, I just, I operate like that. I get, I get excited about like seeing what's possible Yeah, and it doesn't, it's not about like setting some milestone. It's just like, Oh, how many miles can I ride this week? Mm-hmm. Oh, how many, you know, whatever, like, what could I, you know, what can I do that's going to like fulfill that part of my body, that creative need? Yeah. 
Yeah, what do you what do you fill your free time with if you even have any? Is it the um, cycling, the climbing, the family? Family, um, yeah. As much as I can. And uh, I just got back from three days camping mm-hmm. at El Capitan on the be- on the coast with my family. So I, I had some like good kind of non interrupted family time there. And then, um, and then I'm like I said, I'm packing up to go to Norway and New York back to back, which is brutal, but it's gonna be awesome. Um, yeah, and then I, climbing, yoga, or uh, cycling is the kind of the three things that I'm into right now. But it's also like as winter comes, yeah, the waves sure. will get better, and then mm-hmm. I'm like I'll probably like surf more and. You know, I'll be doing that. Like, uh, like climbing is something I've done for like six to eight years. You know, or a lot, something like that. So, it, it's something that always kind of comes back to me. Like, I always, I enjoy it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, it's so fun. But it, it's never something where I'm like, like I understand that it's, it's. I'm never gonna have the time mm-hmm. in my career because photography is first, right? Right. To be like, oh, I'm gonna be excellent, really great at this, right? Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Like with any of these sports or any of these athletic pursuits, I gave up the aspirations to be an athlete a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, that's just a harsh reality. If you want to be a photographer who's giving a lot of yourself to the craft, is like you're going to have to like give up something. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've yeah. said this before to people. Um, there's, you know, when it comes to business, I, I heard this, I don't know if you ever heard the analogy of the four burners before. Just from you, to be yeah, honest, it's, yeah. It's cool. I really like it and I've thought about it a lot, but like that idea that you have to turn off four burners in order to be successful in, you know, family, friends, yeah. health and work and like in order to be really successful, you have to turn off two. Yeah. You know, and that's I, I I it's not my quote at all. I read it somewhere, but I was just blown away by that. I was like, Holy cow, like that's so true. And mm-hmm. and which one are you gonna turn off? If if you know, your family relationships is super important to you or health is really important to you mm-hmm. and your friendship, then like work is just always going to be the thing that you shirk off. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. but if you want to be successful and have this career and be whatever, then you have to be willing to turn one of those off. And yeah. that, I, you know, that's kind of what I had to do. Yeah. That know. analogy is like, once I heard that, it's, it's like, heavy. whoa, you just it's, sit and you're like, hopefully not driving, but I was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, I need to change everything I think about what I've ever heard in my life. But what, for you, it's interesting too because you're from Pismo. Mm-hmm. Like you, I, I think you know the probably the friend one is tough because you're from here, you grew yeah, up here, absolutely. went to high school here, high school Chris Burkhard. Who is that guy like? Really weird. <laughs> I was into um, cars. I was. Yeah. I was like, I had a scholarship to go um, to an automotive specialty school because that was like, and I was like, I, all I did was like restore cars at a '57 Chevy. Wild nice. Bel Air. Yeah. And uh, I was like. Buying and selling cars in high school, and no like, way. and then I started surfing a lot, and then I uh, was like, I, my my priorities kind of changed to just like wanting to be at the beach every single day. And, yeah. Oh man. Well, I, dude, it's a small town too. Yeah. You know that there's got to be people that you went to high school with that are still out here because it's a small beach town. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's Chris's uh, studio. There it is, right there. Like, yeah. do you run into people still that are all like, the man, time? All the I time. I mean, my high school was like my my graduating class is like seniors only was like 900 students. It was huge. Yeah, that's big. And I knew like a lot of them, like uh-huh. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the community is super small. Yeah. Like, it's funny because I, I knew early on, like when I was uh, 23, 24, I remember thinking like, man, I could make more money if I moved down south. If I was closer to the magazines I worked with. Yeah. If I was closer to the brands. And down I, by I had, us in LA. I had to make a conscious decision to be like, I want to stay up here mm-hmm. even if I make less money because I love the farm fields and I love the slow yeah. lifestyle and I love not having traffic on the freeway and like all of those things I loved. And mm-hmm. I realized like, even if I made a couple thousand dollars less a month, that was 
It's worth it. That was, yeah, it was sure. worth it. Yeah. And it was just an, um, it was just a, a cost that I was going to have to eat because I, because I cared about the area and I knew mm-hmm. that living in Los Angeles or living in San Francisco would have really wrecked, wreaked havoc on mm-hmm. my part it, of me. Yeah, yeah, it does, man. It, it, it kind of breaks you down in a weird way that you learn to get used to, mm-hmm. which isn't good. You know, yeah. like you learn to get used to it, you fight it, but then you get out to places like this. Even like when I come up here, like to me, this is the biggest, like, Fresh air breath ever. Oh yeah, and if you head you know? north, yeah, you know you're into Big Sur and you're into dirt roads. And the reality is, I I realize I'd be doing myself a disservice if I moved away from the place that inspired me from an early age to want to be outside. Like mm-hmm. it was the big open spaces north and south of me that that made me want to pick up a camera in the first place. Right? Yeah. It was those road trips, and so like to be able to kind of be surrounded by that is really special to me. And I'm not saying like that every person is born into the place that they need to mm-hmm. stay, you know, like it's, it's fine to find, you know, wherever you want to call home. But for me, like I knew this was it yeah. and I wanted to raise a family here and it kind of just made sense. So. And when you find these hobbies, are you seeking them out or have they come to you? Like did cycling come to you? Um, did mountain climbing come to you? Came, all these things kind of came to me, you know, they just like were mm-hmm. natural. It was never like, or like through a, through a friend or my wife or something like that. She's like, oh, you should try this or whatever. Um, and some of them were just like out of necessity, you know, yeah. like I lived so, I used to live like really close to my office. Mm-hmm. Um, now I live like three or four miles away, which is still super close. Yeah, super close. Um, but basically I was like, I remember I was living there and I was like, I, I cannot in, in good conscience drive my car to the office every day. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. And so I got a bike to do that and mm-hmm. I started riding my bike and I was like, it was really fun, yeah. you know, and I rode bikes when I was a kid. Like I used to like ride like BMX and street and like, yeah, ride just around. that feeling brings you back. And so to I was kind of like, well, I'm going to ride like a, I'm going to do like a long route around to get to the office. And yeah, and this is like four or five, six years ago, maybe. And, and so I remember I was riding a ton, like a ton, a ton, a ton, um, back then. And I just, I hadn't started, I hadn't had a chance to ride for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, just this year I was like, I'm going to get back into it. But it's yeah. just like, I don't, like people are always like, oh, you're into this, you're into this. I'm like, yeah, it's a phase. Who knows? It. It'll, it'll, it'll fade out and then I'll go back to climbing or yeah. yoga or something like that. You yeah. Know? So is that kind of the way for you to step back and, and, you know, have your brain take a, a yeah, fresh breath it's of air just like, and chill? It's just like, I always think like we, you know, I seek opportunities mm-hmm. to ignite all my senses. Right. And how rare do we get to do that? Mm-hmm. The only way we ever do that is when we're outdoors. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're animalistic. That's what draws us. That's where we're from. We're from nature. And so I think that in some deep rooted way, like I'm always seeking what's going to force me to be outside, to ignite all my senses, mm-hmm. to allow me to like feel deeply. And, and I think that's why I've just always gravitated towards different things at times, you know, and, and what happens, like we said before, we talked about this, like when you mm-hmm. start to get comfortable, you start to turn off some of your senses, you know, you're not worried about this or that or whatever. And, totally. and then it stops, it stops forcing you to like really grow. I think. Yeah, so for sure. And yeah. you can take that with anything too. Like, you know, being a young photographer, a young videographer, whatever you want to do, like, getting out of that comfortable space, like I agree, has got to be one of the biggest, you know, the biggest changing points in anybody's careers and lives and just the trajectory, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, man, I don't want to take too much of your time. We're about, yeah, we're about 40 minutes in, but, you know, do yeah, you have any, yeah. do you have any, you know, kind of words of wisdom for, you know, young, Absolutely. young people coming you know, up? I would say, I just, you know, 
I, I, I always reference questions I've been asked. I'm sorry, but, no, again, but it's man, always like, totally man, I've, 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 I've kind of thought about these things quite a bit. And yeah. I've, I've tried to think about like, well, what wisdom can I, what wisdom could I offer somebody that's actually like, I always hate when people are like, here's some deep esoteric thought that means nothing to you. Like find your voice, you know, like yeah, no, I would sure. rather tell you something that really is hopefully meaningful. And one thing I've realized is that as a younger creative or even as an older creative, like the, um, the idea that we have to be everything to everybody is so untrue. Like yeah. you don't need to put a portfolio in front of somebody um, to be looked at by an editor or critiqued or whatever, where you're trying to show them, you're trying to prove to yourself and them that I can shoot portraits and action and landscapes and everything. You don't need to do that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like you're hired because you're a specialist. Mm-hmm. You're hired because you're the best at what you do. And typically those specialties come from your experience, what you were born from, what you came from as a person, right? And so ultimately I feel like that is is the most important thing that we can do is like hone your skills. Look at what makes you you. Look at what kind of attracts you to photography and and seek after that and right. become the best you can at it. Yeah. And then if you want to try and you want to perfect things, do it. Great. By all means. But like you don't need to try to convince me that like you can shoot everything well because you're never going to be hired for that. I mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. I don't I don't want to. Yeah, you have a team for that. You know who who does what and who's well, good at not, what. I mean, like it's like not even in our wheelhouse. Like yeah. we don't we don't you know need to go out and be like we're the best automotive photographers on the planet. Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to do that. I yeah. don't even want it that work. What I would love to do is like I would love to go shoot a car in a, an amazing setting and like you know have it be juxtaposed against this incredible background and mm-hmm. you know like deep in the wild right or yeah. something like that. I would I would shoot a car the same way I'd shoot like a surfer in an yeah. amazing environment with like a you know big mm-hmm. you know mountains or whatever. So I that's my approach. You exactly. know, it's like I understand that I'm really good at this one thing or mm-hmm. these multitude of things and and that's why I'm hired and yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of learn is like, yeah, yeah whittle it down. You know? Super important. It's tough too, man. It's tough to figure out your style. You know, like that's a big, that's a big hump to get over too. Man, this is crazy. This is so wild to be able to talk to you. You yeah, are man, like, up there, like I'm such a man. You I'm inspired so, so me to, to chat. I love, yeah. I love doing podcasts. I like even more. I just love the idea that, um, that our shared collective experience mm-hmm. can be like preserved, like right. what a rad thing to do to be able to like, to be able to pass down generations of knowledge and yeah. have it like save forever. Like it's such a rad, rad thing to yeah. think about. So I, I guess I'm always, I'm always eager to like, I guess pass on to future generations, whatever I can, yeah. little kernel of wisdom I could potentially if, offer. If I can ask one more question yeah, then. Uh, so the teaching, mm-hmm. you know, cause I feel like the teaching is kind of a newer uh, venture when it comes to just the speaking. And then it, there's like a natural progression. Like what, like how important is that to you to be able to pass super that down? Important. Yeah. Um, super important. I mean, I, it's funny cause like, I, I guess what I realized is that there was a time where photographers would kind of be like, Oh, well like the most successful photographers, are the most unreachable, uh, most yeah. unapproachable. I think that's, Maybe ten years ago, that's mm-hmm. kind of what the mindset was. Have you ever tried to get a hold of any National Geographic yeah, photographers? It was like nope. impossible. Yeah, and that's almost how they judge a success. But the reality is that that's not the case anymore. Like yeah. brands don't want to work with the person who's the most unapproachable person yeah, on the planet. For sure, yeah. they want to work with the person that's the most approachable, most giving of their time, uh, because that's who people respond to. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've gone to great lengths to be that type of person, to yeah. be somebody who like people could talk to, people could communicate with, and. And I feel like that's a that's when it comes to teaching. Like I love to share 
as everything I've learned. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hold anything back. Why yeah. am I afraid that somebody's going to, you know, do what I'm doing and kick me out of business? Great. Yeah. That just means that I have to work harder. And that is like, I don't have any problem making competition because I know mm-hmm. that it's going to force me to give the best of myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that the reality is like, in 10 years, I don't really need to be holding a camera. I'd love to be able to teach without having a camera as the tool. I'd love to be able to teach utilizing um, my voice and the things that I've learned and, and you know, utilize photographs as just a as just a way to illuminate the places and the things and the topics that I care about. Definitely. You know. Cool, man. I love that. Sweet. Yeah. Chris, absolutely. thank you so much, thank man. Thank you, guys. I thank really, really much. appreciate you coming by and wish we could have more time to hang. We'll have to do another one. Yeah. I will be down for sure. Yeah. yeah. Or up again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Thank yeah. you. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking that out. Um, So yeah, funny story. I feel like I lost feeling in my legs in that first 15 minutes of that podcast. I was nervous. Like once I got to a studio and it was real, it was very real. And yeah, so he instantly made me feel comfortable though. He instantly felt like, you know, a buddy. He has that total thing about him where when you're chatting with him, he's totally engaged and, you know, he, he gives you his full attention and he listens and to listen to him was, was, you know, a dream. So cool. So thanks again, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Um, all right, you guys check Chris out on Instagram, check out what he's doing, check out his films, check out under an Arctic sky. If you can do it on Netflix, maybe still, that's where I watched it, but, uh, get a hold of that. However you can, Go check out a studio if you're driving by Pismo or if you just want to do a road trip. He is in one of the coolest beach towns on the West Coast, in my opinion. So, yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of that. I appreciate you all, and we will see you next week.